0: Ayer's on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And here we are. The road well, but, um, we actually came back from um, Bear Lake last night late. We just closed everything up and, well, and got it ready for the next round of people who are going to be there. But we have had... Such a great time this summer. We hope you're having a great summer.
1: We certainly do. And it's, it's great to be... have a, You know what we love about doing this radio show once a week is it gives us a chance to sort of debrief each other about the parenting and family issues that we've just been facing during the past week. And one of the things that has been going on at this family reunion, as you might well guess, when you have 43 people all together in a big family reunion
0: for many days. Eight
1: different families for many days. Is you get a lot of wild commotion. You get a lot of uh, you, you get a lot of emotion. You get a lot of um, the opposite of calmness. So we we got thinking the other day about the the topic. How do you help your children to be calm? How do you inject a sense of calmness and peace? within a family, and and it's, it's particularly hard when eight families are together. But I'll bet most of you parents listening, if you have one child, if you have two, if you have three, if you have four, and they're all living in your home, you probably would say, ah, I would like to have a little magic wand that would calm people down, that would calm the environment, that would steady the waters, that would inject a feeling of peace, because a lot of times you got a little things like sibling rivalries and crazy schedules and being on time and trying to get out the door and, and people being bothered by this or that or the other. And calmness and is not an easy thing to find on a regular basis within a normal sort of growing family.
0: Well, I think we have to go back a little bit and, and say that and then give encouragement to the young parents that are dealing with this in their homes right now and say it, it wasn't among our children <laughs> where there were the disagreements and the arguments and the fighting and I want this and I want that because they do grow out of it. It's awesome to know. But um, it is such a difficult thing. And now we're dealing with grandchildren. Who um, We have a mother who actually is here with us today. We may convince her to come in and say a word or two in the second half. But um, she has four kids who are so strong-willed. So strong-willed, and the minute they get in the car, it's just, I want this, I want that. You have, you have more room than me. You have, and you, you've all done that, and we have done that. Mega! Oh my gosh, I remember those days so clearly. And the typical
1: thing that happens with so many parents, and it's true of this daughter of ours, because she's a, she's a passionate, emotional person, and it's very easy for her to get drawn into power struggles. If two kids are fighting with each other, or one kid is is being disobedient and disrespectful to their her tendency, and it's a normal human tendency, stronger in some people than others, is to get in a power struggle and raise your voice and try to win that war and convince the kid that she's the mom, and by golly, they better listen to her. And, and it escalates, and uh, calmness is the is the uh, victim.
0: <laughs> well, I have to say that um, just as a personal uh, addition to this, that really a lot of calmness has to come from the parent before the kids can um, really feel that calmness. And I don't know, most of the, some of you may know that I wrote a book when the kids were all home called I Didn't Plan to Be a Witch, because you know, really, they can push your buttons and just keep going, and when you've got more than one, even one can drive you crazy, but when you've got more than one and they're coming at you, it is so hard to be calm and to keep your cool. And so, I mean, I, I really had some uh, really witchy moments when our kids <laughs> were young. And, and I do have to say, though, that this um, summer I asked some of the kids if they remembered how bad I was. And bless their hearts, I don't know, I think they were mostly being nice, but bless their hearts. They said, I don't remember you being a witch. I remember getting spanked once. And that's about it. I mean, really, they were so kind. But well,
1: I think yeah. what what you're saying, honey, and it's so we all know this as parents. We we know instinctively that calmness is contagious. And occasionally you'll you'll run into a, a parent. And, and whenever this happened to me, I found myself admiring, not even more than admiring, almost envying, a parent who somehow, in the face of chaos and sibling rivalry and argument and disrespect and all the other things that happen could actually be calm, could sort of be the eye of the hurricane, you know, with everything swirling around them, the parents still calm and pretty soon the kids calm down because calmness is contagious. But you ask yourself, how in the world do you do that? How can you how can you maintain your own calm when um Kids so are just pushing your buttons like crazy.
0: Well, as you know, I used to do that very thing. When I woke up in the morning and I had a house full of kids early 6 or 6.30 before any yelling was starting, I um, woke up and I, I went in the bathroom. And even in that amount of time, the kids could know where I was. They came in pounding on the bathroom. I'd walk the door. i look in the mirror. And I would say, Linda, you're walking into a hurricane today. There is no doubt about it. What you have to do is be the center of the storm. No matter what happens, no matter what is swirling around you, you are going to remain the calm center of the storm, and it will be contagious, and the kids will feel it. Well, I think that worked about 40% of the time, but that was better than (laughs) none none of the time because they could still push me over the edge. But it is a conscious effort. You have to consciously think about it.
1: So so part of, you know, if we try to pause every minute and say, what's the bottom line here? Part of what we're suggesting is this sort of pre-planning, this sort of pre-calming, this getting yourself together in the morning before you face the kids and and sort of committing yourself to be calm no matter what happens. Or in the case of of parents who work, maybe it's pulling into the garage and, and before you go in, just thinking for a minute how you're gonna react. Are you gonna go in and get involved in a power struggle or get involved in an argument or get involved in a discipline thing, or are you gonna walk in and sort of be pre-programmed to be calm and and to do it? Now, just so you won't think it's only Linda that struggled with this, I, I mean, I remember all kinds of things that I was initiating to try to get greater calm in our house. Some of them were really extreme, we would sit at the dinner table, and I would I would hold my hands out in front of me in the cuffed yoga position and, and say, Um Aum, the universal mantra, and I'd, I'd try to get the kids to say it with me so that we'd get everyone calm before we had the blessing and before we started dinner. And some of the kids went for that. They thought it was pretty fun to, to just sit there and close their eyes and in the yoga position and say, oh, mm-hmm. others thought it was just ridiculously Dad, Dad, funny.
0: Not doing that is too
1: funny. But I mean that's one example. I remember even a more extreme one. One 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 year I noticed that uh, there was such a beautiful spirit at Christmas <laughs> and you know, people were kind of loving and kind and the
2: Christmas, and the Christmas uh, tree was uh,
1: there with its lights and so I decided to get a small Christmas tree and put it in the middle of our, of our table and leave it there year-round, thinking that maybe there was some magical power in a Christmas tree that would calm the kids down. But I just give those two examples to, to, to sort of show you how desperate I was to get a little more calmness and peace in our creative, uh, in our strong-willed, sort of combative, uh, contentious bunch of kids
0: and I remember we pulled that little tree out of the attic not too long ago and the to <laughs> and everybody laughed we had three or four of our kids they were like oh there's the tree where we were all supposed to be so calm and uh, I, I kind of came and went
1: but we kids. had the repenting bench where if there were two that were feisty they had to go sit there till they calmed down I mean we We tried everything to get more calmness. What do you think really worked for us, honey? Did anything work?
0: Well, I think you can't completely get rid of that when you have a lot of strong willed kids. Um, But I think that they did get a little more reasonable. And I do think they responded to us as parents when we were calm. Um, When we got out of control, they got out of control. And so it was really a challenge, though, to do that because, you know, we could see it from our viewpoint and they could see it from theirs. But I I do remember also um, saying to them often, I am so sorry that I said what I did or that I got angry because um, of what you did, but let me tell you what had happened in my day just before that happened. And then i go through and itemize all the things that had happened. And then I'd say, I'm sorry, but that just was the last drawn. It just was too much, but I shouldn't have done that. I'm really sorry. And then the the you know the outcome of that was something I didn't expect, and that is that the kids would leave little notes on my pillow at night saying, "Mom, I'm so sorry. I lost my temper and I was really bad. And um, but just let me tell you what happened to me that yeah. day. You know. Well, so- think think about that interesting connection you're
1: making, honey. That. But- there is something we don't think about very often. There is an interesting connection between apology and actually saying you're sorry and feeling sorry. There's a direct connection between that and calmness. Think about it. When when someone's saying, you know, I really was wrong there and I'm sorry, that that is that is the epitome of a calm feeling. That sort of takes the wind out of the sails of anger or of. Uh, a turmoil or, or frustration or or contention. And, and, you know, it's amazing how many parents we run into who think, oh, you better not ever apologize to your kids. That's a sign of weakness. You know, that'll that'll undermine your authority. It's sort of a Donald Trump attitude, who I shouldn't say, I shouldn't bring politics no, you shouldn't. Yeah. But the idea that uh, parents shouldn't apologize to their kids is nonsense. I mean, we... We, should, we all make mistakes as parents. And what better example to a child than when you have lost your temper or you blamed someone for something you didn't do or you, you misjudged something? Uh, what, what better thing to do than to say, I'm really sorry for that? And what an example. And like you say, Linda, it became reciprocal. And then kids would explain and apologize to us. And that, that was a real factor in bringing more
0: calmness. Yeah, you know, I think in the next uh, segment we'll talk a little bit more about the returning bench because when kids were fighting, that was just so exhausting to me. Trying to figure out you know, who was right, who was wrong, what should we do, what shouldn't we do. It was so hard to figure out and it was just not a calming thing. Before we take a break, let me give you a couple more of the extreme
1: sort of silly examples. I used to play classical music. I thought that would bring calmness. One thing after another, we tried to reach the elusive goal of calmness in your family. And we'll be right back to talk about that elusive goal right after these messages. And here we are back on... Iris on the road, and we've got a special guest
0: who has been on the road a lot for the last little while. She lives in Boston, and she her husband travels all the time, and she put her four kids in a car and came all the way across the country to Utah, and she is getting ready today to head back the whole long journey with those four kids.
1: You're going to need a lot of calmness. This is Sadie Ires-Shumway, our fourth child, our third daughter. Welcome to Ayers on the Road, sweet Sadie. You forgot to add your favorite
2: child. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, my favorite, of course. Um, what We've been taught, you weren't here, Sadie, but we we're talking about just how hard it is to keep a feeling of calm and how most of us would given anything for a little magic wand we could wave over our kids and just calm them down. Knockout drops. Maybe we medicate them. I don't know. I mean, do you think (laughs) it's a pretty universal problem to just try to keep a calm in in the family?
2: I have no idea why you asked me to join us, because I'm (laughs) your least calm child.
1: (laughs) I actually said that in the opening, that you're our most passionate child.
2: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This is a hard thing to talk about, because there was not a lot of calm on our trip across the country. (laughs) especially when you're in sort of a small car for four kids and they're all on top of you and everyone's fighting. It was really hard to stay calm. I have some children who have taken after me and have learned from only the finest on how to <laughs> stage a really elaborate freakout. So it's well, a little crazy.
1: We were saying that, you know, it's so hard when, you have, when you're a strong little person and you have strong little kids. And, you know, anything can set it off. Just a word of disrespect and you find your voice is raising and it becomes a power struggle. And why does that just happen so quickly and easily and naturally?
2: I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) But we were having a little family meeting before um, my husband left to fly back in luxury to Boston. (laughs) Um, And he gave us a really little great analogy or visualization. He said, You know, and there's a nice still lake and someone throws a rock and makes a ripple. And if you just let the ripple go, the ripple just dies out and it becomes calm again. But if you get kind of nervous about the ripple and start making your own ripples and then someone else makes their own ripples, then it turns into a huge storm with big waves. And I thought that's exactly what we needed because that's what happens. Someone kind of freaks out about something in the family while we're on this road trip or any other time. And, you know, then another sibling gets really mad that that sibling is mad. And then someone gets mad at me for not being mad or else I'm mad or something like that. Before you know it. it's a huge storm. And so our motto, and i have to report back to you in a few weeks about how it went, but our motto is going to be, our motto on the way out here was that nothing's a big deal, and just to kind of let it all go. But that didn't really work. We were still pretty frantic on the way out here. <laughs> but on our motto on the way back is just ride the ripples. Just let the ripples Calm, like just ride it out and then it's going to be calm again. And so we're all determined to try our best to just not create another wave and make it into a storm. That's an absolute ride the ripple. What a
1: great. I love it. That is a great. Oh, we got to talk to you after you go back and see, you know, the, the burden's going to be on you.
2: Well, it might be, it might be good <laughs> to change it to ride the wave because I'm not even sure that most of the initial, you know, rocks thrown in or, ripples they're like kind of waves to begin yeah, with. They're, they're, <laughs>
1: just, they're not a little pebbles they're pretty big rocks to start out with. so
2: maybe we should need to ride the wave even if it's a wave don't create more waves and make us worse. so yeah. I'm not sure how that's going to go but the other thing that my, my husband is great at this so he coaches me and I sometimes that might bother me but that actually I really appreciate it well, is he's it, not but,
0: with you in the car yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. easy for <laughs> him to say he did join us from, from Salt Lake to California we actually went sea to sea and he joined us for the last little bit. And the first couple hours, my kids were in, like, the best fighting form they'd been in the entire trip. Oh, and I, it was yay. so validating to me. For <laughs> you like, were happy, well, like, go for it, kids. Did you stage that? <laughs> I wasn't intervening at all. I was so happy for him to hear, have a little taste of it. But um, but the other thing he said to me at other times is um, how important it is to be a durable object. This is another analogy or sort of visualization that I really like. Like, do you just, when your kid, what kids need is just, an object that's durable, that they can bounce all their frustrations and moods and try out all their behaviors on. And what we need to do is just kind of let it bounce off of us. And that is something I have not mastered yet. But he's good at it, and I know friends who are good at it, and I'm, I'm striving to be good at it. And when I can do it, it makes a big difference. If I just kind of remain unemotional and sort of durable and strong and let my kids sort of play out their tantrums, then everything kind of de-escalates really fast. The minute I get sucked into it emotionally or... Yes. Um, the not, minute
1: your voice goes up or the decibels...
2: speaking uh, faster. That's the other thing my husband says. You guys all start talking so fast when you're not calm. And so he tries to speak very slowly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Now, children... <laughs> but I do have to say that can backfire because <laughs> well, my well, dad Well, like that. the
1: um, do you remember, How did you react when I'd sit at the table and say
2: um? That was one of your worst parenting (laughs) strategies ever. (laughs) My mom's running around getting everything on the table. We're all running. And my dad's just sitting at the table saying, oh, really loud. (laughs) I think that made me, that was the opposite of durable. That made me really, really much more, let's <laughs> like <to> call me. <laughs> well, I was
1: just saying uh, in the early half of the show, I was I was desperate. I was trying everything, including that Christmas tree that we kept all year to try to keep <laughs> the spirit of Christmas.
0: It was little. It wasn't a full-size Christmas tree. But, it was, I mean, it, it, you try everything. You just try anything to try and make it work. It's just so hard.
1: So, Sadie, you've got to run. But but if, if a desperate mom came to you and said, Sadie, I are some way. I've read your blog, Boston Shumway's, <clears throat> the Boston right. and I admire you so much. And I think your family's perfect. And if you could not laugh during the time she was saying that, and then she said, "Could you give me one key, one silver bullet, one magic thing to get more calmness in my family? What would you say?"
2: I would just laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would probably just say keep trying. That's all I'm doing is I just keep trying. And I think uh, the more I think about parenting, the more I think the number one thing is just to be as honest as you can about your struggles and just keep trying and be honest with your kids, apologize when you get it wrong, and just keep being the kind of person you – keep trying to be the kind of person you want them to end up being. And they'll see that it's hard for you, and that's, I think, one of the most valuable things that you can give them.
1: It kind of reminds me of the thing, you know, the classic thing when you say – I'm going to be a better parent, so right now I'm going to get busy changing my kids when it's really us we have to change. It's our own sense of calm and priority. Yeah,
0: but before you leave, I just have to say good luck and I love you for doing this. Oh my gosh, you'll have some adventures to tell by the time. How many hours do you think it was in the car? Oh, like 55. 55 hours. And now you're in going back
1: through Yellowstone <laughs> and the Black Hills, the northern route to Boston. Just anytime you get overwhelmed, call me on the phone, and I will. I will say to your children, "Um."
2: <laughs> that will not work, <laughs>
0: but I will think of that. All right, I'll ride the ripple, ride
1: the wave. All right, thanks so much. Go get ready. All right, all right. Thanks. See ya. Say um, Boston dot dot and. You can tell by Sadie's uh, articulate uh, responses that she's an amazing writer. and She, like several of our other kids, put us to shame in their parenting, honey. We, we were nowhere near as good a parents as our kids are to our grandkids.
0: I love it because the only way you know if you've succeeded is if your kids turn out better than you did. Well, maybe it's just that it was so bad at our house that they just had to really come up with some new solutions <laughs> to make things work. And, but it is such a joy to see your kids become parents. And uh, right now, if you're sitting there with a 10-year-old or a 6-year-old or a 2-year-old, you're going to think, no, this is never going to be a responsible parent. But you know what? It happens. It's absolutely magic. It's wonderful.
1: And we know we have a lot of grandparents who listen to this show, and there's there's a message here for you on this topic of calmness as well. Um, what you, what I think, I'm just give my opinion, and you may want to counter this a little, honey. But I I don't think that it's, I don't think it serves kids best to have a grandparent who, although I'm guilty of this at times, comes in and kind of riles kids up and gets them. Even more excited and more. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they should be excited when they meet you. But, but I, here's what I do sometimes that I think doesn't help. I, I come in and I I bring a gift or I want to take the kids to a movie or I bring them candy. That's probably the worst one. Get them on a sugar high. That'll help their calmness, you know. And I think I think one thing grandparents ought to be aware of is that you you have an ability to engender and sort of introduce your grandkids to a kind of calmness that's really special. If you come in and you have kind of an aura of peace and calm, and maybe you tell a story or maybe you, you encourage them or maybe you compliment them in some way, or you do something that makes them feel good about themselves. And there's another interesting connection. Don't you think that, that, anxiety and feistiness and contention are often born of feelings of inadequacy or feelings of frustration or feelings of failure of some kind, which kids have all the time. I mean, kids are not secure individuals who are completely comfortable in their own skin. That's what we hope they'll mature into. But sometimes as a grandparent or as a parent, but particularly as a grandparent, if you make your grandkids feel good about themselves, if you are kind of their cheerleader, their champion, the one who sees them in a way where they can do no wrong, and if you're specific about it, if you can, if you can say, you know, Charlie, it's amazing uh, how much you know about baseball. How do you, do you learn about all? I mean, just anything that's genuine. Uh, you know, you, you look so good, Charlie. You, you, you do your own hair or whatever. I mean, whatever it is, These silly examples. But any time you make a child feel good about himself, which grandparents have a special ability to do, you just watch the calmness that comes into a kid who feels secure because of some compliment or accolade you've just given him.
0: Yeah, I do think that grandparents can make an enormous difference in their kids' lives. Um, I was just on an airplane coming home from London with the greatest young man who was born and raised in Cairo by a, um, in a Muslim family and their grandfather. There were three boys, and their grandfather came to stay with them six months of the year. And he said, that man taught me more than my parents did. I adored him so much, but one of his main things was... I just felt safe around him. I just felt a calmness that I didn't feel around my parents because they were, it wasn't their fault. I mean, they were great people, but they were involved in a huge flurry of the world trying to make a living and trying to make things work. And it really made a huge difference in my life. So grandparents can be a huge influence for calmness.
1: So let's just review in about the minute we've got left today. um, Calmness is something all parents wish for. I mean, we really do. And, and and of course, there are some families that are more inherently low-key than others, but you probably don't think you're one of them, because when you're right in a family, there's a lot of commotion and swirl going on. So we all wish for more calmness, but very few of us have figured out a way to work effectively for it. And I think the best tips we've ever found, number one, prepare yourself mentally before the day starts. Prepare yourself mentally before the kids come home from school. Prepare yourself mentally before you come in from the car after work and make up your mind you're going to be calm. And then number two, remember to ride the ripple in the wave. Don't react act rather than react
0: so we wish you the very best and calmness this week in the middle of a reunion or if you're just at home with two or three kids we love you and we appreciate your checking in and we'll see you again next week on iris on the road bye bye